And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. Uh, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Uh, hopefully you guys had a great weekend. Uh, a lot of good football games. Uh, not not my Steelers. That was a very disappointing uh, tie, which is, of course, bullshit. They should play until somebody wins. But, yeah, the Steelers tied the Cleveland Browns, which is pretty embarrassing. A little upset about that, but uh, hopefully you guys uh, had a good weekend, spent some time with family, ate some meat, watched some football, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, a lot to get to today. A lot, a lot to get to today. Uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to be joined by uh, my friend, friend of the show, uh, Tyler Grant, who writes over at National Review and Washington Examiner, among other places. Uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit more about the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearings. We're going to talk Syria. We're going to talk about the return of former President Barack Obama. Um, oh, joy. <laughs> so a lot to get to. Uh, before we get to Tyler, uh, I want to say hi to our sponsors over at 1776 United. 1776 United is my favorite conservative apparel line out there. They are a, a tremendous company. You guys need to check them out. You guys are going to love this company. Um, 1776united.com is their site. Um, they have all kinds of conservative and patriotic uh, clothes, all kinds of shirts, tanks, sweatshirts uh, for men and women. Um, all kinds of stuff, not just uh, clothing. They have a whole bunch of other stuff too, um, but really, really great stuff. I just got my order in the mail today. I'm sporting some 1776 United as we speak, um, and it is super high quality stuff, super soft, lightweight, really great stuff. But uh, don't take it from me. Find out for yourself. Go to 1776united.com, order a whole bunch of stuff. They are great conversation starters as well at you know family gatherings and stuff like that. Uh, use the promo code GIMMICKS. At checkout to get 15% off of your order. That is promo code gimmicks over at 1776united.com. I also want to say hi to our sponsors over at Premier Vapor. If you smoke and you want to quit, which guys, come on, it's 2018, stop smoking, start vaping. <laughs> or if you vape already, you need to check out Premier Vapor. Um, they have the largest selection of premium e liquid anywhere in the country. Uh, all their stuff is uh, safely made with all the, the highest standards at their state-of-the-art lab out in California. All their stuff is FDA compliant. Um, they have any kind of tank, uh, any kind of mod, battery, any kind of coil, anything you need for your vape setup, they have uh, at Premier Vapor and Lounge. Dot com. If you're in Northwest Ohio, they have physical stores in Perrysburg and Highland, Ohio. Both of those stores have an awesome sale on e-liquid going on right now. Really good deals. Check them out in person. Uh, if you're not in the area, go to premiervaporandlounge.com. Um, that is premiervaporandlounge.com. They will give you free shipping on all orders over 35 bucks. And if you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you're on iTunes, please give us a five-star rating and a good review. Um, you can also support us monthly over on Patreon. Uh, we just launched our Patreon. And uh, if you like what you're hearing and want to get involved, you can check us out over there, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. And make sure you follow us on Twitter if you don't already, at No Gimmicks Pod. Tweet at us. We always tweet back. Um, all right. In a second, uh, I'll take a quick break. And in a second, I'll be joined by Tyler Grant.
All right, guys, we're here with Tyler Grant. Tyler, my friend, thanks for coming back on. Yeah, love talking to you, man. Absolutely. So uh, we got to go back to, to la- the last week. Obviously, our last show came out on uh, Wednesday, so we got to kind of backtrack, cover the end of last week's news. Uh, the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation hearings are finally over. Um, they were a complete nightmare, a circus, dumpster fire, however you want to categorize it. The Democrats should be absolutely ashamed of themselves for their behavior during these hearings. Um, before we get to Cory Booker, because I do want to spend some time on Cory Booker, um, th- this is my initial reaction last week, and I want to I want to get your opinion too if you agree with me, Tyler. Is that Chuck Grassley, who's the uh, chairman of this subcommittee, I, I think an hour in or a minute in or thirty seconds in uh, to last Monday's hearing, day one. Uh, when he realized that the Democrats wanted nothing to do with with regular order, nothing to do with common decency or common sense or or anything, that they were not serious about what they were doing there. I think he should have called the whole thing off, said, screw it, we're holding the vote right now, let's vote them out of committee right now, let's stop the charade, stop wasting everybody's time, hold the vote right now and, and get this over with. That's what I think he should have done. Uh, what say you? <laughs> Well, you know, I think it's important that the American people see and get to know a future justice of the Supreme Court, get their views. I think the way that the Democrats went about it was completely inappropriate, bizarre, and beyond the regular order of the Senate and how the Senate's done. If you look back on how we've appointed justices in the past, some of the votes of people that have been appointed to the court are, are 98 to nothing, you know, like high 70s, low 80s to not, you know, nothing. Uh I mean, this this thought that we need to jam it down their throats at 51 to 49, or that's the way that the future is going to go in the Senate for appointment of different people to high offices in the land. It really speaks to the problem that we have in modern politics with how entrenched everyone is ideologically. If you look at what people were talking about in in the Senate, the things that were the holdup, you just saw these bizarre interpretations of the rule of law, I think a lot of people don't understand what Roe really says and how little cover it gives to the Democrats for the protection of a woman's right to choose. But you see this weird grandstanding about a lot of different things. You had Kamala Harris, uh, the senator from California, trying to raise these strange insinuations about, oh, Brett Kavanaugh's had some sort of relationship with some attorney from this massive law firm of which there were some attorneys that represent Donald Trump, as if as if Brett Kavanaugh has some sort of relationship with someone there. Uh, you know, you had these weird narol style accusations that that the judge the judge doesn't support, uh, or that thinks uh, birth control is an abortion pill. I mean, things that are just so patently untrue. I, you know, it's frustrating as as we're going into an era of politics that's so deeply ideologically entrenched that we're not seeing interesting discussions of part. Parts of our law that you know, are interesting to me, that are interesting to other people, that affect people's lives every day. I mean, I post on Twitter how important Fourth Amendment law is and how little exposure it gets in in our modern legal discourse. And it's something that people face every day, and we just don't have any discussion of it. Well, don't let's let's not go down that rabbit hole because I could spend about six hours um, t- talking about the the Fourth oh, Amendment. Oh yeah, we we can do that all day if you want. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll bring on we'll bring you back for a, an evergreen content kind of show, and we'll just talk about the Fourth Amendment for a few hours. Absolutely, and, and yeah. Put that up there. Um, it's interesting. You did bring up a good point. How justices used to be confirmed almost unanimously, 
You know, sometimes there'd be a, mm-hmm. a couple stragglers that would vote no, but uh, on the right and the left, I mean, it, it, for both sides, both Scalia and uh, Ginsburg were both confirmed. I believe Scalia was confirmed 98 to nothing and Ginsburg 97 to nothing. And, right. you know, you're talking the most conservative and the most liberal <laughs> justices right. uh, maybe ever uh, on either side. So it's um, I, I don't think those days are coming back anytime soon. No, I mean, and you have this thing where it's kind of this weird what's good for the goose is good for the gander type situation. You have the Republicans right. responding to the fact that they uh, what was it? what was that guy's name? Uh, Harry Reid. Right, right. created the nuclear option because he wanted to jam through Obamacare. Sure, fine. But now you have the Republicans responding in kind when they took control and pushed out Merrick Garland's chance of becoming a Supreme Court justice. And now they're going to jam down the Democrats' throat, Judge Kavanaugh. And as much as I don't like it personally because I, I don't appreciate, enjoy the nastier side of politics, and I think you see this weird strain of conservatism that's all about, oh, you know, if you're kind of a neocon, libertarian, uh, old school Republican, you don't like this winning aspect. And Donald Trump and these new conservatives are all about winning and winning is so much fun. And I I don't know, there's something to be said for the fact that Ginsburg and Scalia had such a, a wholesome, great ideological relationship in addition to a personal relationship. Uh, I, I just don't, I don't enjoy that aspect of modern politics right now. And I, I do want to get back to these confirmation hearings. Um, and so I, I know we could have gone on a rabbit hole down the Fourth Amendment. But one rabbit hole I do want to entertain real quick. Um, you sure. brought up Harry Harry Reid, uh, you know, nuking the, the filibuster for judicial appointments. How long do you think the legislative filibuster is going to last? Um, I don't think I don't think uh, Mitch McConnell will nuke it. I don't think he will. But. I don't know, man. I think the next Democrat Senate majority leader absolutely will. Um, literally five seconds after he's confirmed as majority leader. I I, I really think um, we're nearing the end of the legislative <clears throat> filibuster as well, which I think I, I think conservatives are going to be the ones getting screwed there. I and mean, that's kind of what I'm afraid of. Oh, yeah. I mean, what they're going to do is they're the the moment that there's a Senate majority, they're going to in a. a Democrat president, Ginsburg's going to resign. They're going to jam Ginsburg. They're going to jam a justice through into in Ginsburg's spot, and then they'll bring back the filibuster to kind of protect themselves in the future. That's that's what will probably happen. Right. So back to last week, Cory Booker, the execrable senator from the the state of New Jersey, um, he pulled the most embarrassing, lame transparent stunt I've ever seen <laughs> um, daring Republicans to kick him out of the Senate essentially for breaking Senate rules by, you know, what he said was releasing classified information. Um, obviously it turns out the Republicans are already declassified all that information. Uh, he wasn't breaking any of the rules, even though he insisted that he was. Uh, and the only documents that he released, I, I don't even think Senator Booker read them, uh, just basically said that Brett Kavanaugh opposes racial profiling. So, okay. <laughs> um, Booker also said in the middle of his stupid rant that, uh, you know, quote, this was his Spartacus moment. Obviously, Cory Booker, I don't think, understands the plot of Spartacus. The whole point was that, you know, other people were claiming to be Spartacus so that, you know, the real uh, Spartacus was safe. And Spartacus was also killed at the end. I, I don't really think Cory Booker understands the, the plot. Um, 
and Cory Booker also over the weekend started placing staff in Iowa, um, setting up his inevitable presidential run in 2020. Obviously, that's what it was all about. But what do you make of of this clown and and the antics? I mean, that was Cory Booker is a really bad politician, man. He's really bad at this stuff, and it was it was humorous, but just embarrassing to watch. Yeah, I, w- I watched it and then watched a, a replay of it. And it did seem it, it was funny when uh, the senator from Texas called him out on it. It's yeah, Cornyn. Yeah, it's yeah. one of these. Yeah, Cornyn, he called him out. And it's just one of these bizarre. There was no reason to do it. And I think the American people respect. As much as the people like to think that the politics is about the lowest common denominator, I think the American people want to and aspire to a politician that rises above above and seeks to create some sort of unity or division behind or or unity behind an idea rather than these divisive, weird tactics. I mean, people hate watching how laws are made. People hate Washington. That's why everybody hates their the Senate, but loves their individual senator. They hate Congress, but love their congressman. I think he had these these congressmen, these Democratic congressmen had such a great opportunity to have nuanced understanding and, and elicit for the American people why it is that they believe in the woman, a woman's right to choose or why it is that they believe in certain aspects of uh, protecting the LGBT community, which is, which is what people were saying that, that Kavanaugh is not going to represent or, or protecting uh, the importance of our executive office and its separation from different aspects of the admin state of which they believe that Kavanaugh was going to provide cover for the Trump administration. There was a lot of opportunity to ask questions that were clear the American people could understand. And if, if Kavanaugh hadn't been able to answer it, they could have grilled him on it. And that could have been a really good, helpful clip for the American people to see. And that would have been more telling for his presidential run. Now it looked as if he was trying to confuse the American people. Right. And and Bill Burke, who's the, the attorney, the partner from Quinn Emanuel, who is George W. Bush's uh, Presidential Records Act attorney, is saying, well, every time we've been asked something, we've released it every single time. There hasn't been anything. So it makes him look like a liar. So it's already like he's behind the eight ball. I think the thing that I think about Cory Booker, I think he's a nice guy. I think he's a good, I think he's a good man. I think he, as you say, he doesn't know how to be a politician and he picks, he picks like really weird battles. There was a really good article a long time ago about Ron Paul and how Ron Paul does this, you know, confirming, you know, being all supportive of certain people, but then like Gina Haspel comes up and he, he makes that that his stand that that's going to be his person that he's going to just stand at the well and filibuster till the the 11th hour protesting. It's this, it's this bizarre in attempt to play politics. And I, I think Cory Booker struggles tremendously at that. Cory Booker's antics, it kind of reminded me, I don't know if you're a boxing fan or not, but, you know, like Muhammad Ali, for instance, was like the greatest trash talker of all time. And it just came naturally. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just tremendous at it. And then a lot of his opponents would try to do it as well. You know, like he, they would try to talk trash. Yeah. Like and like Floyd Mayweather in, you know, current current era is great at it, too. And he's just a great shit talker. Right. Gets under oh, people's yeah. skin. And then anytime his opponents or, you know, Conor McGregor, for that instance, in, in the world of MMA. But when their opponents try to do it, it's so contrived and it's awkward and sloppy and it just makes them look like a clown. And that's kind of Cory Booker. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there are like, you know. President Trump, obviously, great at talking trash. Barack Obama, President Obama, was fantastic at, at you know, 
belittling belittling his his opponents and talking trash. But and then if you try to counter it and you're really not good at it, it just makes you look bad and it makes you look silly. You know, it kind of turns you into a punchline. And I think that's what Cory Booker did. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this this will be something that I think he was hoping to create a clip that makes him look really good. And this is this is going to make him look very very odd. And and certainly, I mean, Kamala Harris kind of came out looking okay, uh, but Corey, I mean, what a what a weird weird way to begin 2020. I also think it's the American people don't want if if they're going to block these people, if they're going to block a judge from the Supreme Court that is rightfully appointed, people want a real reason to not support that rather than playing politics. Because right. I, I don't think the American people like playing politics. And this playing politics was just really weird and, and kind of gross. Yeah, really Especially weird. impugning a man's character that, I mean, has anyone gone up for the Supreme Court that was as good of a man no. as Judge Kavanaugh? <laughs> I mean, no. it just, the, no. guy, the guy gets caught. You know, there's some headline that I saw. It's like, Judge Kavanaugh caught volunteering. It was like, wait, what? <laughs> caught volunteering, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was caught red-handed <laughs> at the food kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the the latest attack from the Democrats on Kavanaugh was that uh, when Kavanaugh was in college, he liked drinking beer with his friends and watching basketball instead of debating politics. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, no. <laughs> and what a travesty. He was a college student. He was a normal human oh, being man. in college. Yeah, what a dick. You know, wow. Um, yeah, it's 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 really funny, man. And go, with Cory Booker again, like we remember what happened to Marco Rubio when he tried to get down in the gutter with President Trump during the primary, you know, with the small hands and and that kind of stuff. It's like, ooh, gosh, like that's awkward. That's not you're not good at this, man. <laughs> Maybe don't don't do it. So I think yeah. a lot of a lot of politicians are getting not only because of Trump. Obviously, this didn't start with Trump, but. Um, when they try to use the same tactics that other people have used effectively, if they don't have it, you know, if you're not a trash talker, if you're not a, a showman, don't try to be. Just be yourself, you know. What's well, actually kind of funny, not to go down a, just a quick tangent, but it's really funny. I'm thinking what we're seeing a little bit is that the young, younger generation, the savvy, that's quick, that's used to getting information really fast. They're, they're able to, to retort something really quick and in a really smart kind of savage way people people you know think it's funny people think it, it confers intelligence all that kind of stuff and as as we go further down the road i think what we'll see is kind of a transformation of that where people kind of respected that a little more with trump where he sees something he shoots from the hip and says that's stupid or or mocks somebody for something that you know sometimes everybody's really kind of thinking the exact same thing and and you had these old school kind of politicians that are used to you know kissing the baby shaking hands you know, going and having the debate, not, not, you know, as long as you didn't have a, a, a massive gaffe on the trail, you could win. And, and, and we're kind of seeing where you're going to have to actually kind of play. You're going to have to dabble. You have to go in the trenches a little bit. You're going to have to be quick on your feet. There's not going to be this age where you can do the Hillary Clinton thing where you, you hide from the press when you don't want to take the hard questions and then you come on the debate stage and you try to leave unscathed. You're going to have to get in the trenches a little bit. You're going to have to field a lot of questions. I think during the campaign you saw, I, I forget I saw what statistic it was, but Trump had some sort of exposure to answering media questions. It was like three to one over Hillary. Right. I mean, on TV right. all the time. I, I, I think that's the future where people people are expecting somebody that's a little more savvy. It's a little, you know, as you say, able to trash talk a little bit and, and advocate for themselves in a way that's more sophisticated, but also 
more savage, I think. Right. I don't know if that, that's, if that makes sense. And I think the only reason why President Trump gets away with it is because he, he's just being, he is being himself. I mean, this has been him since the late 70s when he kind of burst onto the scene right. as a real estate developer in New York. I mean, he's been famous for, you know, 35 years at least, and he's never changed. I mean, that is his personality. That's who he is. It's all baked in. And when people that have been measured and been, you know, the typical politician tr just suddenly change overnight and, and ch you know, seemingly change their personalities, people are like, oof, not buying it. You know, this is not authentic. Oh, 100%. So, you know, there's probably a lot of things that uh, I miss from the last, you know, eight years or so. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I used to be able to drink a lot more without getting a hangover, stuff like that I miss. I do not miss being lectured to all the time by President Barack Obama. <laughs> I, do right. not, I do not miss that. But he is back. He is back uh, yes. on, on television lecturing us, uh, insulting the American people, basically insulting our intelligence. Uh, insulting President Trump, obviously. Uh, Obama did a speech, I think, I believe that was, what, Friday? Friday afternoon, I think. Um, mm -hmm. He believed that, that this is going to, you know, he's attempting to fire up the Democratic base, you know, bring back the Obama coalition, you know, to get Democrats elected in November. Um, I don't think this is going to work. I mean, President Obama, he was really good at getting people to vote for him. But uh, in the midterms in 2010 and 2014, uh, he couldn't get people out because he wasn't on the ballot. I don't think that's really going to change here. I mean, the Democrats might take the House. I mean, it's actually looking like they probably will. But I don't think uh, Barack Obama is going to be a very effective campaign tool for the Democrats. I don't think so either. It's also the party of Barack Obama has seen such a dramatic shift to the left from what we've seen in the past that it, it seems as though... The party that he knew is no longer the party that kind of respects him. And it's it's really funny, too, when you see guys, his former campaign people like Ben Rhodes, when he, he wrote his, his creative writing book that said, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, maybe maybe we maybe we push the American people too far in this weird kind of pseudo intellectual. Maybe we were just too smart for right. the American people. Yeah, yeah that was the problem. This, that was yeah, the problem, Ben dream, Rhodes. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it's it, it's kind of bizarre and and it, it also and just to speak to the times that we're in it's so rare for a former president to hit, hit the trail uh in support or against a sitting president especially the most recent uh retired president it, it, it's weird and nobody I, I nobody's come out like that it. no former president has come out this quickly uh yeah. and criticized the president since carter and, yeah. you know, everybody hated Carter on both sides of the aisle for oh, yeah. it because it was just it was against, you know, decorum. It just you don't do that as a former president. And uh, right. ever, and so <laughs> Carter ever since has been known as the annoying former president Carter, you know, like the thorn in everybody's sides on, on both sides of the aisle. Um, I think I think President Obama also feels like he has to be active and vocal because the Democrats really don't have a leader of their party. And obviously the leader of the Republican Party right now is President Trump, and he's a very divisive leader, and he turns a lot of conservatives off. I, mm -hmm. I almost think it's better to have a divisive leader than no apparent leader. You know, I think that is a big problem for the Democrats. Um, I mean, who's who's their leader going forward? There's the, the socialist side, and then there's the, the kind of Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi side, but most people don't really like them either. Uh, do you think this is kind of a symptom of the Democratic Party just not having 
a solid heir apparent to Obama? Yeah, you bring up a really good point. There is not, it, it truly is a very, very fractioned party, which it's always been, it's always been a little bit factioned in a way. I mean, you had your kind of Sierra Club people, you had your pro-choice people, you have your LGBT people, you have your immigration people, just kind of kind of a, a, a mush of ideas all together. And it was like, OK, that's kind of Democrat. And then you had, you know, and then you had Barack Obama that came together and kind of brought some of that together, you know, but, you know, Barack Obama was anti-gay marriage back in the day. So it was Clinton. So they kind of had to, like, work back from some of their ideas as, as society moved forward. And that's you know, again, like that's one of the reasons why I'm conservative and not, you know, progressive, obviously, is because there, there's this as society turns, you, you kind of become better informed of your ideas, a.k.a. change your ideas or change your mind about different things. Right. And, you know, conservatism comes back to kind of the tenet of something. And so when you look at Trump, obviously, I don't view Trump as a conservative. I view Trump as sort of a, a kind of a hangout Republican uh, or, you know, a New York cocktail Republican, if I was really to put a fine um, pen on it. But, uh, on the Democratic side, there's certainly, I don't, I don't see a leader at all. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. You have your Nancy Pelosi, Barack Obama types, and then you have your kind of socialist types. And then you have this kind of young, angry Democrat movement. And I'm not even talking about like Antifa. I'm talking about just people that are just so against the way that society is and everywhere they, they look, they see oppression because that's what, what they've been taught to do in school. And so you're seeing those young people start to enter the workforce and they see systemic oppression, systemic problems, and they're looking to change the system. And they don't know what they want to change or how they want to change or to what a perfect society looks like, but they know that we can do better. And those are those people. And so you have those all coming together. And I imagine that the Democratic 2020 convention is going to be a just fire hellstorm of death. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be. It is an absolute mess. It's going to be a nightmare. And yeah, I wonder who at this point would be the the front runner for for the Democratic nomination. I mean, there's, you know, there's Spartacus. um, (laughs) There's Pocahontas or Focahontas, Elizabeth Warren. You know, there's uh, Kamala Harris, obviously, who's a wild leftist, uh, extremely fringe left. Um, She's at least a little bit smarter than Elizabeth Warren and, and Cory Booker. Like, she's a much more clever a uh, politician, you know, like she handles mm-hmm. herself better in front of a camera, at least. Um, you know, there's Joe Biden, who'll be 79, Bernie Sanders, who will be 79. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you'd think with, with Trump's low approval ratings, uh, the fact that we're probably going to lose the House, that, you know, 2020 would be ripe for the Democrats to, to retake the White House. But at this point, I just don't see it. I, I I don't think their bench is very strong. I mean, they they're they're really praising guys like Beto O'Rourke, who they think can take out Ted Cruz in Texas. But I think that's highly unlikely. I would be shocked if if he took out Ted Cruz. Um, I think Cruz end up winning by seven or eight points. But uh, there's people like that who are kind of untested. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't think their their bench is looking too strong. Um, so before we before we uh, let you go, I do want to talk a little bit of foreign policy. Uh, reports came out today yeah. that uh, the president of Syria, Bashir al-Assad, has approved the use of chemical weapons again against uh, rebel fighters. Assad pretty much has the Syrian civil war won. There's a couple small towns that are still holding out um, that the, the free Syrian army is still holding on to president Trump has said that the U S and our allies would respond, you know, definitively 
if if Assad used chemical weapons. Uh, I believe this is Trump's, you know, quote unquote red line, um, similar to Obama's red line that wasn't enforced. Um, before I get your opinion on that, and if if a red line would be enforced, and if it should be enforced, I do have to say, and I mentioned this before we started recording. Anytime Syria does come up, and feel free to tell me I'm an idiot, but anytime Syria comes up, my Rand Paul libertarian alarm goes off, like my bullshit alarm goes off. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I I know I'm probably wrong. (laughs) I completely acknowledge that. But part of me is constantly saying, okay, Bashir al-Assad knows. He's not a jihadist. He doesn't want to spread Sharia law across the planet and kill all non-Muslims. He's not ISIS. He's not Al-Qaeda. He's a secular dictator. The only thing he wants is to stay in power and stay alive. And he knows the only real threat to his power and life uh, is getting the United States involved. And he knows the only way to get the United States involved is to use chemical weapons. So, like, I know if it if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. But part of me it, it can't help but think, okay, what motivation could he possibly have to use chemical weapons? Yeah, I saw the report. It's being reinforced by a lot of different international agencies, our own government. It, you know, again, like you, it's it's really hard to be suspicious or it's easy to be suspicious of these things. I mean, the Wall Street Journal reports that we're, you know, we're selling white phosphorus gas to the Saudis to fight Yemen. I mean, that was yesterday. You had, uh, you know, some, some Russian outlets saying that we're supporting the use of of chemical weapons in in Saudi or in uh in Syria you know which you can't trust those outlets at all but yeah i mean i i think that this is definitely a trump red line moment i think you had barack obama that set himself up sort of foolishly without the intent to actually do something in syria to uh if assad used chemical weapons on his people to then you know, require the use of American military force. Again, I'm, I'm not one of these war hawk uh, Republicans that's all about sending our boys abroad, our, our men and women fighting forces abroad. But uh, I think Trump has said that he wants to be tougher than Barack. And this is one of those situations where I think he's going to have to put his money where his mouth is, unfortunately, if he starts actually a confirmed case of using uh, chemical weapons against the, Amer- or against the Syrian people. We're going to have to actually go to war to back up what our president has said, which I'm really hoping we don't, because like you say, I'm, I'm not I'm not super supportive of that kind of engagement internationally. Right, especially because the the nation is really weary of war. I mean, it's been, you know, oh, it, it's been 17 years, so it's, uh, I don't really think the, the American people have the, the stomach for another war, especially if there's, you know, quote unquote, boots on the ground you know, a, a ground war. I really don't think the American people have the stomach for that. And also what, let's say Assad does do this, you know, at least from my view, against his own interests, um, mm-hmm. because he does basically have the civil war won. I mean, he's destroyed the Free Syrian Army. I mean, they're almost all gone. There's something like 50,000 left um, in a couple towns in northern Syria. There's, I mean, there's really, there's really not much of them left. Right. Well, let's say he does. What does it look like? I mean, what what should our goal even be? Um, you know, we've been. If I hear the term "moderate rebels" one more time, I'm going to scream, <laughs> because these sure. these quote unquote moderate rebels we've been arming for decades, going back to the 70s, um, always end up to be ISIS. I mean, they always end up to be Al Qaeda. You know, like we 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 armed Osama bin Laden. You know, in the uh, 
the Afghani war against the Soviet Union. You know, we we thought he was a moderate rebel, and we armed him, and that's and it's basically history's been repeating itself over and over ever since. So, let's say Assad does use chemical weapons against civilians. I mean, what do we do? Like, what do we do? Go kill him? I I don't think the Free Syrian Army would uh would be these benevolent dictators if they take over. I think they'd end up being a jihadist group. So it, I don't know if there's a scenario in Syria where things really get better. Oh, 100%. I, there, the problem with what we had in Iraq and Afghanistan is that we didn't have an end goal in mind. And when you don't have an end goal in mind, you're, you're putting yourself in a position to lose. And so we, we put all of our fighting forces in harm's way without a clear end goal. And we saw the ramifications of that. It's, you know, September 11th, tomorrow, we will have been in uh, Afghanistan for 17 years. Right. And we we still have people. We still have our American soldiers dying every day over there by a terrorist attack or some one off attack or accident or, you know, new rebels come into the zone and, and fight our fighting forces. I mean, there we didn't have an end goal. And we're paying the price for that. And our American troops are paying the price for that. And in Syria, I, you, don't, you don't hear a lot of foreign policy people saying, oh, hey, you know, we'd, love to, we'd love to overthrow Assad or we support some sort of assassination of a sovereign state. You know, you're not, you're not hearing a lot of that. So you're, you're kind of hearing these people wanting to thread this line of, oh, we, want, we, we don't mind that the, the war is going on. We just want them to play by the rules. And I think that that's what a lot of people want. And I don't think there's any stomach at all for American involvement by any any politician that I've ever heard. Right. I mean, there's a few so, out there. there. There's a few Lindsey Grahams out there that <laughs> look at Syria and think, oh, oh yeah. Regime, I always forget about Lindsey Graham. Regime that bro, that, change. That, bro that is sounds so hockey. good. <laughs> yeah, he's so, he's so hockey, man. Why is he like that? He's he's one of the few politicians that will still actually use the term regime change as like a positive, like yes we should have regime change in Syria. It's like okay yeah, that is a that, that is at the very least that is an extremely toxic phrase <laughs> to to the American people. Like you're not gonna get a lot of support with that. Um, and speaking of Afghanistan too, we don't have time to get into it, but I, I encourage the listeners to look it up. Uh, the Afghani government had been somewhat stable for a little while, but they have been getting shellacked by the Taliban in the last couple of weeks. A lot of attacks on the Afghani army, and uh, it's not looking too great. Uh, it looks like any prospects of us actually getting out of Afghanistan, it's not going to happen anytime soon. But uh, Tyler, thanks so much for coming back on, man, on, on short notice. I'll have you back soon. And you're a lawyer, too. I need to have you back on and just talk legal stuff. Talk the Fourth Amendment and just go deep. Just get real nerdy on some legal stuff. I would love to do that. But uh, hey, man, uh, I'm, yeah. all, I'm all about it. Next time. I'll, I'll make sure... Uh, Hopefully, you know, the news cycle isn't as crazy next time uh, we have okay. you on so we can get into that stuff. But uh, where can everybody okay. read your stuff and find you online and keep in touch? Yeah, so it's uh, Twitter at thetylergrant.com or thetylergrant and uh, kind of writing all over the place these days. So just follow my Twitter account and you can see where, where I'm posting some stuff. A lot of focus on China lately. I don't know if you've been following that stuff. we got to talk that at some point. Oh, boy. Yeah, They're that's rounding up Muslims and burning Bibles. Wow, I, uh, I, yeah, we didn't even, we didn't, we don't have time to get into it today. Yeah, oh my we'll goodness. To, we'll yeah, re- really scary <laughs> stuff. I did just start digging into that this morning too, and it is really, 
Uh, just so the listeners, you should look it up. The Chinese government has has basically rounded up a million Muslims and sent them to retraining, like intellectual retraining camps, essentially yep. to tell them to not be reeducation camps, basically telling them not to be Muslim anymore. So, and if you think that you know the Chinese Christians aren't next, then you have another thing coming. Um, but we'll get into that on Wednesday. <laughs> Thanks again, Tyler. Everybody follow Tyler. He's the best. Uh, we'll have him back on soon. Uh, I will be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks.